Hello and welcome to the Stronghold Podcast. Uh, I'm here with Jake. We are just now uh, recovering from UFC. What number was it? Uh, 254. UFC 254, Khabib versus Gaethje. One of the best fight cards of the year. Uh, I'm not going to guys make you. I'm not going to make you guys wait any longer for uh, the breakdown. We're just going to get right into the fights. The fights were amazing. The card was great. There were tons of finishes. Jake, how many finishes were there? I think every fight that I saw, except for the the Cannoneer Whitaker fight, was a finish. So on the main card, everything was a finish. Yeah, except that, that, right? Yeah, apart from that one. But even that uh, decision was a blinding fight as well. Yeah, yeah. That that fight was great. The whole fight card was great. Uh, man, yeah. Every single. I didn't see every single fight on the main card, but I saw probably uh, six, six or seven of the fights. Um, yeah, awesome fight card, Khabib, Gaethje. I thought the fight, so I have a funny story about the fight, right? I was so pumped up for this fight. Like, I was just ready to go. I was thinking about it for weeks. I watched all the countdown videos. I was, like, salivating at the thoughts of this fight, right? And then, uh, so I, I, tr- I woke up early this morning, but I didn't wake up to, w- did you watch them live? They were on at, like, 4 a.m. or something like that here. No, so I, I also made a mistake with this fight that I got up uh I meant to buy it last night, the pay-per-view, so I could get up this morning and watch it, and then, like I forgot to order it last night because I'd had far too many drinks. Woke up this morning, tried ordering the pay-per-view. You can't order it retrospectively, so I'm absolutely stuck. So then I had to watch it on a very poor quality illegal stream. That doesn't make any sense that they wouldn't let you buy it later on. No. It, it just let it loop for a couple of days or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, so I, I got up early to watch it, and I definitely wasn't watching an illegal stream. I was just watching a stream that I happened to find. <laughs> so this, this totally illegal stream that I was watching, I couldn't get the first round to work. It was weird, right? Because I paid for it. And you would think that it would work for some reason. I couldn't just, get it to not, work. Just not totally today. legal. And uh, so I couldn't get the first round to work. So I watched the second round. And I was so pumped. I missed the whole first round, but the second round was working. So I was like, okay, I'll check this out. I was just like, my heart was starting to beat. I was getting that antsy feeling that you get, most people get before, right before the fight starts. I was getting it right at the beginning of the second round. And then within like a minute of the second round, Khabib got him down, immediately mounted him, threatened an arm triangle, then threatened a triangle, mounted arm bar, triangle combo, and rolled in the back and finished him. Like, before I'd even had a chance to get really excited about it. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, man, Khabib just totally took the wind out of my sails. Like, it was just immediate hype dampening, right? He just threw a wet blanket all over all my hype and finished him, making it look pretty easy. He ate a few shots. He, he threw some punches back and forth and stuff, but he almost finished him in the first round, too. Once he got him down, you could tell that there was just nothing, uh, nothing Gaethje could do. Um, in, in the first round, like... Oh, Khabib, just, this, this is the fastest I've ever seen him push the pace in a fight. Like, he was on top of Gage the entire first round. Gage was constantly pedaling backwards. Couldn't really get off any offense because he was just back, backing up, backing up, backing up, backing up. And Khabib was just on him. Gage got him because Gage's leg kick, you thought that might be the great equalizer. Mm. Because he was constantly backing up, backing up, backing up, he couldn't get it. He couldn't get it off to get him. And then, yeah, Khabib got him down at the end of the first round and saved by the bell, I'd say. Yeah. Oh, I mean, even the, I mean, the, the thing was interesting, right? The, the leg kicks were working. The problem is he didn't have enough time to let them develop to the point where it can affect the fight, right? I mean, Khabib's as tough as they come. He's not going to get leg kicked twice and then fall over, yeah. right? I mean, Gaethje landed hard leg kicks, but you need time to let that sink in, to hit that same spot over and over again. It was interesting, right? Because in the first minute or two of the first round, a lot of circling. They were pretty, both pretty patient on in the first minute or two. Both of them were circling. Khabib was circling. Uh, Gaethje was circling. But then somewhere about halfway point between the, first, uh, the second half of the round, Khabib just started walking him down. He started walking him down. He was getting tagged a little bit, but it was not enough to get him off of him. Right? Yeah. Khabib walked him down, walked him down, walked him down, ate the shots, walked him down. Finally, just dove in, got the takedown, almost finished him at the end of the first round. And, and this is where I thought – the biggest difference, even even I said last week in the the uh, styles were 
Gaethje's definitely the better striker, but Khabib is good enough striking. Yeah. They're both good wrestlers, but Khabib's submissions and his wrestling, specifically wrestling for his submissions, are just a whole nother level. Yeah. Right? Like, he actually, his application of submissions, the way he gets them in transition, the way he forces them from control positions, like, like Gaethje doesn't do that. And uh, once Khabib got Gaethje's back flat, like in a jiu-jitsu scenario, not yeah. a wrestling scenario where you're standing up from all fours, but once he got him in a jiu-jitsu scenario, you could just tell Gaethje didn't have the answers there. Yeah. He it, didn't have the submission defense. It looked like... Because obviously Khabib always gets people down and stuff like that, but a lot of the time he'll just take the control, ground and pound them, but it looked like he targeted Gaethje thinking, I can actually sub him. If I chase him with submissions and push the pace on the submissions, I'm going to get him. As opposed to, was it the Michael Johnson fight where Khabib had him up against the cage and he was just pounding away yeah. at him? In that fight, he clearly thought, right, I'll get him down and just wear him out. But I think with Gaethje, he thought, hmm... I'll just get him down, and I think I can sub him. I think I feel like Khabib's he's changed his game a little bit from a game that used to be really, really ground and pound heavy mm. to a game that's more built on finishing the fight. Because yeah. if you look at his rise uh, before he was the champion, uh, he was just crushing people with ground and pound. He wasn't tapping everybody. Yeah. Right. Even the guys that he was beating with wrestling, like like when he fought Michael Johnson, when he fought Dos Anjos, when he fought. Glayson Tebow, when he fought uh, Abel Trujillo, uh, Trujillo. Uh, all those guys, he was take down like crazy, but he was just smashing, right? Smashing and punching and smashing and punching. But then the last three fights, three finishes in a Connor, row. Connor Poirier. Connor yeah. Poirier and, and, and then Gaethje, Gaethje three finishes, all submissions. Like uh, So he seems to be prioritizing that in his game now. Yeah. Uh, so the ground and pound is more of a means to an end instead of just trying to knock TKO people with ground and pound, beat them up. He's beating them up to finish them yeah. with, with a submission. And then you can just see a fucking mounted triangle. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? When was the last time you saw a mounted triangle, in the, let alone the main event of a mega height fight? Like, mounted triangles are rare. In MMA... Like but even the armbar, like you rarely see an armbar finished these days yeah. at, at that absolute elite level, and he nearly got that in the first round. It's yeah. like how uh, how well, good is he at grappling? It's just something else. I think the best uh, best decision that Khabib made was changing from the armbar to the triangle, mm. right? Because uh, so so uh, Jake, me and Charmaine just filmed a technique video, so we're actually breaking down the finish to the fight. <clears throat> Full disclosure, it was pretty crudely put together. The last minute and we're trying to figure out the layup and how to set up the gym and some stuff like that but but the content is legit and uh, we'll share it I'll, I'll share it when i release the video so if you want to watch uh uh me breaking down the finish to the fight i go through all the transitions that happen from the final from the takedown to the the mount to the back take to the arm triangle that he almost had him with and then he uh Gaethje did a really sorry uh, khabib did a really great thing which uh, John Danaher talks about all the time, which is creating a dilemma, right? And this is one of the, one of the great principles of jiu-jitsu. And, and what that means is, like, if I'm attacking you in the case of this fight, if Khabib is attacking Gaethje with an arm triangle, which is what he was doing, uh, Khabib ha or Gaethje has a couple choices of how to deal with it, right? He started answering the phone like that, which is a pretty common thing to do. But what that did was lift up his elbow, right? And once his elbow was lifted up, Khabib slid his knee up underneath the elbow and then started attacking the triangle from the other side so he he created a, a dilemma where he's like okay he's caught in the arm triangle and then in the process of Gaethje trying to escape escape the arm triangle he ends up caught in an s mount armbar triangle combo attack right so Gaethje's uh God, i keep mixing him up for some reason khabib is threatening Gaethje with three submissions simultaneously he's going from the arm triangle to s mount on the other side to the armbar triangle combo and uh, I think the fact that Khabib switched from, which I think he was trying to do an armbar to the triangle was totally the move. I think Gaethje would have got out of the armbar. Yeah. For the listeners that don't know, when you're doing MMA and you get sweaty, it is damn hard to hold an armbar <clears throat> onto good people, especially strong, explosive people. But uh, it's one of the oldest adages in, in martial arts, right? And especially in jujitsu, nobody's tougher than a choke. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, Justin Gaethje tapped to that choke before the idiot ref... <laughs> Missed it and just let him go unconscious. The ref he, sort he of tapped like three times. The ref sort of peering in, going, "What's that? What's that tapping motion that guy's doing?" Yeah, he tapped three times, and then yeah. the ref was like, "Wait, hold on." And then, oh, okay, okay, it's done. So he was visibly <laughs> tapping, but uh, 
Which is funny because if Khabib had had Gaethje in an arm bar, I don't know if, if Gaethje would have atta- uh, tapped to that. Yeah. But the fact that it was a choke, he had no choice. Uh, so I think that was the move. I, I, I tell people all the time, all my students and, and everybody, prioritize chokes. Always above joint locks. It doesn't mean joint locks don't work. People, for sure you can do that stuff too. But uh, there is just no denying a choke. doesn't matter how tough you are. And then you see one of the toughest guys in the world going to sleep. Well, the, the three of the toughest... So he's choked everyone at the top of that division now. And choked them out. I mean, he didn't really choke McGregor. He had him in a neck crank, but... Yeah. But same, same, same thing. Yeah. Would you rather be paralyzed or unconscious? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> if he turned that neck much further, I don't know. Yeah, he had no choice but to tap to that. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was amazing. The transitions, Khabib's transitions were great. I called it on the last podcast. I said if, if Gaethje can't stop Khabib from ra- lap, uh, locking his hands, yeah. that that was going to be the end of the fight. Uh, I also talk about that in the, in the breakdown video. Um, and it was the other thing that I didn't think Gaethje was going to do. I didn't think he was going to kick the thigh. I didn't think he was going to do it. I thought he wouldn't risk that because we talked about it on the podcast that that opens up the takedown. Everybody kind of knows that this was a this was a, a technique battle that we had to see play out, the leg kick versus the takedown. Because we both know that if Gaethje lands a few of those in the later rounds, if he survives that long, that will add up. And then it will take Khabib's explosiveness away, and then he can start to, to work his stand-up. But if you kick above the knee, you risk the takedown. Gaethje was kicking the calf too, but the finishing sequence started from Gaethje throwing a low kick that Khabib caught, take down, wrapped his hands, locked his hands, took the back, transitioned right to the mount. Uh, Gaethje didn't hip escape. He didn't push the foot back in. He was focused on defending the arm triangle, and then Khabib had the mount. And then once Khabib had the mount, there was just nothing Gaethje could do. He made him look like a, like a white belt. Like yeah. Once he actually got past the guard, he was done. Yeah. I think... And- on the awful stream I had it on, um, Gaethje caught him just before with a kick and, and Khabib sort of did acknowledge that he'd caught him and stuff like that. So maybe Gaethje then thought, all right, I've got my range now. I can, I'm starting to affect him and went to the well one too many times. Yeah, I think, I think that's true. He, he landed an inside low kick right before he threw the outside low kick. And uh, the problem with that is if, if you don't set that kick up, he didn't set it up as he threw it naked. He just threw it out. Yeah. Uh, he just threw this, that last one, that last one that got him taken down. He just threw it out there without setting it up. Khabib got timing for it because he'd just thrown a naked inside low kick right before that. And the thing is, Khabib doesn't care if it's inside, if it's outside, if it's to the head, if it's to the body, if it's to the cap. He's just waiting for you to get on one foot into that kicking <clears> motion. doesn't matter where it's going. He's going to barrel through it, get in on your legs. He may eat the kick coming in. But, you know, Khabib really has relied on his toughness. He's tough. He's got a chin. Yeah. Like, he gets hit by everything. His head is, like, that fucking big. You just look at his head on his shoulders, and you're like, God. He, ate, he eats, like, full head kicks, full power punches, and just doesn't keeps even walking. keeps walking forward. Yeah, he's, uh, I don't know. Where do you think he is on, on the GOAT status? I think he's, he's probably my new clean GOAT. You know, yeah. my, my non-steroidal goat. <laughs> it's, it's between him and GSP for the clean goat. If the, if the steroids are in the game, then John, John Jones, Jones is the yeah. goat. If 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 you care about that, if you don't care about that, uh, Jones and St. Pierre. So it's interesting, right? Because I would say those are my top three. Yeah, I, I throw. I'm gonna pull Anderson out of it because uh, of the end of the career slump. Which uh, you might say, well, you can't judge him on that, but I think you have to judge the career in its entirety. Yeah, D- DJ not in there. Uh, I think the level of competition, you need to go with. I mean, GSP, George St. Pierre, and Khabib. Yeah. Those are light heavyweight, welterweight, lightweight. Those are, you got to go through murderer's row to get to the, the title there. And, uh, I mean, GSP, you could say the Hendricks fight or whatever, but he never had a fight he didn't avenge, a loss he didn't avenge. Uh, he defended the title way more than Khabib. Uh, John Jones defended more than both. Yeah. So, uh, but... GSP and Khabib never had steroids, never had coke head bender. <laughs> they never ran over pregnant no, women or... No, no picograms. No picograms. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think Khabib's the clean goat. Khabib or George, you can have that, make that argument. Maybe they'll fight one day. Who knows? But uh, the dirty goat, John Jones, he's still the... <laughs> the dirty goat, he, man. He's, he's the people's favorite. Like, he's, he's the people's goat, that's we for should, sure. That should be his nickname, man, the dirty goat. <laughs> He's the dirty goat. Uh, but but think, anyway, it was great. Yeah. It was great. And then, uh, you know what? I didn't see the retirement stuff until hours later. 
Same. So I basically watched the end of the fight. Okay, he's won. And then um, watched a few others off the card. And then it wasn't until I actually went on Instagram and then saw he's retired. I was like, oh God, that's. I did not see that coming. Yeah. I thought for sure he was going to do like one or two more. I thought he's. I thought I saw in an interview he said his dad wanted him to go 30 and 0. Yeah. That's what but I said. He was very keen to do him GSP as well, was what the story went. But then I just think the loss of his father, who's been his coach his entire life. And if you saw him in the ring, he said, I just can't do it anymore without him. So. Yeah, I, mean, I think he said in the interview he promised his mom he yeah. wasn't going to fight. And the thing, I've said this a couple times today, the thing about Khabib is if Khabib says he's going to do something, I believe him, right? Conor McGregor retiring is just fucking, I mean, it's just jerking <laughs> this off. This is no Diaz brothers' retirement. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a publicity stunt. It means nothing. It carries yeah. no weight, right? But when Khabib says he's going to do something, historically he always does it, right? He seems like a man of his word, uh, which makes me a little sad because I think the only thing Khabib's legacy is missing is time as a champion. Yeah. Uh, he had like two years where he was injured where there was a... He's, he's had... No, he's not had two interim chants under him, has he? Who was... There were three. Three people were champion. Four. Four people were third. champion in the time that Khabib was injured but undefeated and was supposed to get the yeah. first title shot against Tony Ferguson. Dos Anjos won. And then Eddie Alvarez knocked him out. And then Connor knocked him out. And then uh, Khabib came back. And then two interim champions, Tony Ferguson and Dustin Poirier. And yeah. oh, three. And Justin Gaethje. <laughs> so, because uh, Khabib was supposed to fight for the title like four years ago. But then yeah. he got injured. So they slid Dos Anjos in there against Connor McGregor originally, remember? And then he broke his foot and foot. that set the, yeah. the entire current modern MMA scene into yeah. motion so there were three there have been five lightweight champions in the time that Khabib was injured or out and then of course there wouldn't have been any if Khabib had just been there the whole time right so so dude some of these people have Khabib being injured to think for their world championships no question about it Dos Anjos Khabib ragdolled yeah. him got injured they threw Dos Anjos in to fight Benson Henderson because Khabib was injured, and then Dos Anjos went on his tear as a champion. Yeah. And but that was, but he, Khabib had just beat him. Yeah. Right. And then of course all the champions that were champions before that, like Connor, Poirier, and Gaethje, all got smoked by Khabib too. Yeah. So I mean, you have all of these champions who can claim championship for the rest of their life. But if the boogeyman was there, not the Tony Ferguson boogeyman, but the <laughs> the Eagle boogeyman, if he had been there the whole time, there may have been a lot of less champions. In I the think we division. It was just such a shame that him and Ferguson when they were at the peak, because we were talking about it the other day, that well, before we knew Khabib was going to retire, that now we think Khabib's got the better of Ferguson. But when Ferguson won the interim off Kevin Lee, that was the time, was that the time Khabib missed weight? Yeah. Yeah. That was the time he missed weight. That was that, that Tiramisu. Been, yeah, Tiramisu Tuesday. Yeah. That, I think that was the one time Khabib could have lost. Like, legitimately. And I know we say this every but time. But that was like prime Tony. Prime yeah. Tony. I still think they need to make the Tony fight. This is the thing that bugs me about the Khabib retirement is uh, I think if he wants to be the GOAT, he needs to have a little staying power as champion. He's only 31. Uh, 29 is a horrible number. Let's just be honest. <laughs> For you OCD listeners here who can't put your TV or your cell phone or your laptop volume at 29 out of 30, you got to have one more, dude. Tony Ferguson is the last unchecked box. I don't give a shit that he lost. Make the fight, right? I mean, yeah. I don't give a shit. we got to make that. we got to write the universe. We can't have a world where Tony Ferguson doesn't fight Khabib uh, because I would like to see Tony have two left. Uh, sorry, uh, Khabib have two left. I would like to see him do the McGregor rematch if Poirier and uh, McGregor fight and Connor wins. And I would like to see the Tony Ferguson fight. If those two fights happen, there is nobody in the UFC that there's any chance or any beef or any storyline or any un untackled obstacle there's just he everything is done then yeah right now there's a few lingering things that chaos after the conor mcgregor fight is going to be a fucking hype machine if they do the rematch yeah so that potential rematch if conor actually gets a solid top five win that's a massive event that ever the world needs to see and then tony if those two things are done every stone has been turned nothing has been left undealt with and i feel like then he can ride off into uh, history as the clean goat. For, for me, I think that's one option. Or if he did the GSP mega fight as well, and just do one more him GSP and wins that one, then 
also cements his legacy. But I don't know. Does but he really? He's 40 and Khabib's thir- in his prime, like 31, 32. I would still watch that fight, but I want it to be a super fight with no belts. Like if Khabib's done, let Khabib be done. Do the 30th or whatever. I mean, they, you could do it at 170 with George, just make it a super fight or, yeah. or whatever. But I would, I really want at least one more. But <laughs> the upside of this, you and me were just talking about it. If, if Khabib vacates the title, that lightweight division is There's, fucking crazy. Because all those four, four or five people that got the championship when Khabib wasn't active, I think, again, it's going to start to be a turntable of champions at lightweight. Because they're all so competitive. Michael Chandler, Tony Ferguson, all, everybody in the top five. Poirier and Dan Hooker's right there. And just all of these. But they're all strikers, right? And if all these strikers, they're going to juggle that belt like crazy. But Khabib just comes in and wrecks shit. Yep. Takes you down, punches your fucking head in, and strangles you. Uh, the thing about Khabib, at least in terms of the GOAT conversation, is just he's never had the fight, the John Jones-Gustafson fight. Yeah. He never had the Dominic Reyes-John Jones fight. He never had the Corm- the close ones that he pulled out, right? In some sense, that makes John the better champion, but in some sense, it doesn't because Khabib just fucks everyone up. So yeah. it's like, in terms of domination against the competition GOAT, you might have to go with Khabib. Yeah, I think it's the same thing as um, the Adesanya argument as well, where people say, oh, Adesanya like, fights people and they don't try against him and stuff like that. But then it gets to the point where that happens so often, you start thinking, well, is it that they don't try against him or they literally can't try against him because he's just shutting everything down? And I think that's Khabib's thing that, you know, you're a coach. Well, I'm not a coach. I, yeah. Uh, do jiu-jitsu but even I know that you'd say to your fighter okay so you've you've got to stop him from wrestling yeah and keep it on your feet like every coach the best coaches in the world know that can anyone stop it happening no no literally no one has stopped it that's the uh, I mean I said on the last podcast too I can't pick against John Jones or Khabib until they lose they're just too dominant they're 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 undefeated records are just too perfect and pristine and you can't pick against them until they lose, they deserve the right to always be the favorite. Um, but the fight was crazy, man. The retirement thing kind of made me sad. I would like to see one or two more. Uh, if he does retire, uh, you know, kudos to him. I'm sure he's going to still be in th- in the trade training fighters, and he's got a lot of teammates and the AKA people and in Dagestan. And so I still f- suspect he'll keep his foot in the door. And the thing is with Khabib too, he's young. He can retire and come back in five years and probably yeah. fuck people up. And his style is suited for well into older age. Yeah. He's not in there taking headshots. He's not in there trying to be slick. Like the only successful MMA fighters that sustain high level performances well into their older age have typically been grapplers. Yeah. DC. I'm trying to think. Yeah. G- GS- well, GSP. GSP. Yeah. All of the guys that kept Randy, all of Couture, all the guys that kept, uh, kept it up into their forties, Fedor into the late thirties, early forties. They were all grapplers. Mm. So Khabib could come out of retirement in five years. He's still 36. Like, pfft. He could still do some damage. Then it'll be Tony Ferguson's age, right? Yeah. I mean, Tony's 37, 38, something like that now. Yeah. Pfft, he's fine, man. He, so he may sit back for a while. He could come back in a couple years, you know, and uh, make some interesting fights. So I don't know if he's completely done. I don't buy that he's retired forever yet. I think, you know... Obviously, the loss of his father was massive to him. It's still very fresh. I mean, it's only a few months back. He's, he's emotional a little yeah, bit, right? He's, he's a very. You, you can, can see th- at the end of the fight, he was so emotional. Yeah. Someone, I think Ariel Hawani put it up, and he, he showed the picture of Khabib on the floor, like absolutely distraught at the end of it, and the picture of Jordan from the Last Dance documentary. Yeah, can you pull that image up? Yeah. Go, yeah, go to Hawani's uh, Instagram and see if you can find that. I saw that too. That was great. I love I love the integration of MMA into the ESPN like landscape. Like, if I imagine myself ten years ago thinking about MMA and all the champions and everything, and then I think that mainstream media now is comparing is comparing Khabib Nurmagomedov to Michael Jordan, and ESPN is putting that out. It's fucking awesome. Like MMA fighters are getting put in the same landscape as the great great global uh, sports <coughs> figures in history. So like to see. Uh, MMA fighters get the rub with some of these greats and other main, more mainstream sports. It's just awesome evolution of the sport in the like social zeitgeist. So yeah, uh, Jake's got the image here. What a crazy picture, right? That's when uh, Michael Jordan won the championship after his dad died at the playoffs, right? Yeah. So I mean, 
clearly that emotion's absolutely. Can you pull that up and read it? I can't really see it, Jake. Can you read that for me? Uh, yeah, that's uh, so. Khabib in the middle of the cage, crying, very reminiscent of MJ after he won the title, following his own father's passing. No question, what those emotions are about. Yeah, I just love that mainstream sports media is is putting those comparisons out there. It, it does so much to validate MMA as a mainstream sport. I mean, could you imagine ten years ago seeing like a top MMA fighter getting compared to Michael Jordan by no. ESPN? I mean, it's fucking amazing. Uh, oh, you have the uh, video of the finish, right, on Instagram or something like that? You found a quick clip. Uh, yeah. Let me... uh, I don't think Instagram can get us pulled, so maybe we can go through this finish real quick. So I'll talk you guys through this finish so you can see what I'm talking about. Uh, I break it down more deeply in the video that we'll release, uh, hopefully tomorrow. But, uh, yeah, Jake had a, a video of the fight, so we can watch this. So check this out, right? Watch. Uh, Gaethje's going to throw an inside low kick in a second. Right there. He landed that one. No setup. Here comes the outside low kick. Watch. No setup, boom, gets taken down, right? Gets the hands together, pops out the back door, puts the hooks on, didn't fight the hands. Now here, uh, Gaethje should be pushing that knee into the half guard, right? But instead, he's answering the phone to deal with the arm triangle, and now Khabib slides his knee up, pushes that wrist in, thinks about the S-mount arm bar, and then look, here's Gaethje's biggest mistake. Look, his hips are up in the air and his head is down. He tried to slam him there, but then uh, Khabib grabs the leg, and then uh, gets the perfect angle. He finishes it perpendicular from his back for a beautiful finish. Uh, just Khabib did everything right in that finishing sequence where he was threatening with three different submissions simultaneously. And uh, Gaethje didn't have the correct responses to deal with those uh, submissions that he was put in. I think he's used to just bursting out of those in the gym, right? Just exploding out, yeah. using power, using explosion, sweat, slippery. But Khabib ain't having none of that, <clears throat> man. If that guy grips you... He knows exactly where to grab. He gets his hands together when he goes for the takedowns. Body locks, seat belts, inside wrist control, controls the head when he's going for the submission, controls the far tricep when he's trying to set the S-mount. Like every controlling step is just perfect. And uh, just a master class in taking down, controlling, and strangling. Khabib with a triangle, man. He's got a few triangles on his record. I don't know if you've ever watched any old Khabib fights, but if you watch him and when he first started in the UFC, when he fought guys like Glayson Tebow and Abel Trujillo, those guys took him down. And you can see that Khabib's guard is fire, man. He's not just in, he's not turning his back. I mean, he'll get up, but he will throw up fire from his guard too. Arm bars, guillotines, triangle chokes, sweeps into submissions and punches. Like his guard is not. He's got a black belt guard for sure. I think because he was Sambo champion as well, and as, as much as people don't like to admit it like the BJJ and Sambo have got a lot of similarities in those things and stuff like that and you can see from he, he has got that submission game as well as the amazing wrestling and it's from the Sambo background yeah well I think this is the this is a testament to uh, the training that you have in Russia and also the biggest difference in their styles right and the biggest differences in their grappling is that Khabib has been wrestling with submissions since he was a child Justin Gaethje's been wrestling since he was a child and then started learning submissions in his 20s when yeah. he started fighting. There is no way you can make up the ground on Khabib, who's been double-legging to arm bars and, and getting taken down and thrown on triangles and hip-tossing people into arm bars and all the, like the rear naked chokes with punches, right, to set it up like in Combat Sambo. Like he, Khabib has been mixing all of the MMA, mixed martial arts, uh, uh, styles in different disciplines together. He's been mixing them together since a child. So those transitions, you can't find that by just taking up submissions later on and then trying to build your game off of uh, just getting up and submission defense. Eventually, you're going to find these guys who've been tying it together. GSP was the same way, right? He hadn't been doing Sambo since he was beginning, but he had all the transitions together. He could do the striking to the wrestling to the submissions. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Gaethje just didn't have the wrestling and the defense from the jiu-jitsu transitions that Khabib had. Yeah, it's, you see it sometimes when, like, wrestlers come to BJJ class as well and stuff like that. And all they try to do is anti-BJJ. Yeah. That's all they're trying to do, right? Let alone slap it on a fucking mounted triangle onto someone, right? <laughs> I mean, they're just trying to not get submitted and yeah. trying to keep top position. And uh, But when you get somebody who has the guard passing skills, the back taking skills, with the takedown skills and the ground and pout and the submissions, tough to find people to train like that for. 
Yeah. Yeah. He's, Khabib's a one-of-a-kind man. Well, uh, apart from all those million other Dagestani fighters coming to take over the UFC. He's, he's unique <laughs> even amongst them, right? Even amongst them. Uh, anyway, man, uh, we'll get to some other fights too. I thought the card was great. I thought the fight was awesome. It pretty much went how I expected it to. Uh, with Gaethje having a little bit of success on the feet, but ultimately succumbing and getting tapped out. Um, so it was a good fight. Let's uh, let's continue down the card. Can you bring up the main card? Let's work our way backward from the the main event. So you got um, the Whitaker fight, uh, which I thought was entertaining three rounds. Very yeah. good fun to watch. Thought it was a good fight. Both guys looked good. Cannonier made a good showing of himself. Uh, hurt him in the, a little bit in the last round. There made it interesting. Uh, got head kicked. I mean, he got head kicked, fought back, <laughs> injured him. Robert Whitaker's one-two high kick. Man, that's a that's his best combination. Really interesting, right? What he does is so he he throws, finishes with the right hand, and then throws the right kick at the same time. So what he does is he sets up, he throws the jab, and then when he throws the cross, what he wants you to do is slip the cross, mm. right? So if I'm I'm facing the camera here, as I throw the cross, what you want to do is slip outside the cross, right? So you want to move your head to that side to slip outside the cross and he goes one two and as you slip to the outside he throws that head kick up right into the direction that you're slipping and uh, i believe that's what he finished Derek brunson with he caught romero with a couple head kicks he caught almost caught cannon here a few times with that move but he's got a real slick high kick man uh robert Whitt whitaker looked great i think he's the next matchup for izzy yeah and he said so the base base said after the fight that it looks like he's going to be in uh, with the title rematch against Izzy yeah. so which how'd you see that one going I see it going similarly I, I don't <clears> think uh, I don't think that Robert Whitaker is the right guy the right style to beat Izzy I mean, unless he has to come up with a very smart game plan that's the trick to beating Izzy because like people fight him weird I don't understand why people what, I mean I understand that Adesanya is partly making that happen but if you think about Izzy's last three opponents right Think about Yoel Romero. You think about uh, Costa. Uh, Costa, and then who did he fight before that? Was it Whitaker for the belt? Yeah, and Whitaker yeah. for the belt. Yeah. So there's most three, three most recent opponents fought him really weird. Like Robert Whitaker was like lunging at him, just chasing him down, winging him. He wasn't like cutting him off. He wasn't wasn't careful about stepping into the punching range. Right? Izzy's got long arms. Really, he's a sniper. He got but real careful treading that ground. Right. And then so Romero went the other way with it. He's like, I'm going to stand here and make you just come into me. Like, you come to me. And then that whole fight was weird. I mean, Romero was trying something there, but he didn't have a backup plan. And then you just see uh, uh, you see the most recent fight with uh, Paulo Costa. I don't even know what the hell Paulo Costa was doing. He had the right idea. Um, the way he normally fights is the way to fight Adesanya. Pressure him carefully. Carefully. <laughs> Keep him just at the end, stepping in, constantly getting in there, but being aware of the counter strikes coming as you enter the. And instead, he just stuck on the outside. Yeah. He wasn't pressuring him. He wasn't cutting him off. He was just sticking to the outside and getting leg kicked and leg kicked. I mean, I know Izzy's making people do this, but Kelvin Gastelum had the right game plan, right? He did what Paulo Costa should have done. He pressured him from the beginning, moved his head, slipped, got inside, threw power punches, stayed in his face. Um, so Robert Whitaker will need to make sure he comes up with a very good game plan and that he sticks to it. And with Izzy, it's like old school Anderson Silva. When you step into the, the punching range, as soon as he can touch you, whether it's him stepping in or you stepping in, you got to be on a razor's edge, ready yeah. to step in, step out, whatever. But uh, if you give him space, if you give Izzy space and you stay on that outside range, he's going to snipe you until you go down. I think Izzy's... Like you say, no, no one's going to beat him until someone actually figures out a game plan. Why didn't Romero wrestle him? I mean, I understand Izzy's hard to take down. You mean that thing he's an Olympic champion at? Yeah. Why can't anyone be like, oh, wait, Khabib's got, he's doing pretty good stuff up like, down there. Maybe I should consider, consider that. I mean, uh, you know, easier said than done with all this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Of course, uh, you know. These are the best fighters in the world, and I'm not, I'm not passing judgment on them. I mean, Izzy just shuts it down. Yeah. People just don't seem to know what to do. But it will be interesting to see Robert Whitaker with a second chance. Uh, I think he'll perform better. I think it'll last longer. I think he might even have some success. But ultimately, I think he'll, he'll lose either a big decision or, or get knocked out again. The, in, in the first fight, Whitaker just didn't seem himself somehow. He's chasing him. Chasing him around. Got finished basically in the first round. Finished mm. again shortly in the second. 
But he, he'd come off the back of those two absolute wars with Romero as well. Said he was burned out as well. Uh, I mean, he's been active now. That's two fights and what? He fought like twice in three or four months. He just that kill fight tail. wasn't that long ago, right? No, it was pretty, pretty couple, recent. A month or two ago. A couple months maybe. Uh, he looked. That was a close fight. This was a competitive but not super close fight, but it was competitive. Cannonier looked pretty good. He's a solid middleweight contender, but uh, don't see him pushing through to the elite of the elite. But we'll have to see. Uh, but either way, man, it'd be another good fight for Oceana, right? You get the Kiwi versus the Aussie. Uh, it should be a good fight. I'll watch the shit out of it. And, uh, you know, I hope I hope Whitaker can put some pressure on this kid because I love Izzy. Yeah. But uh, I love Kelvin Gastelum versus Izzy. I want to see some people overcome some stuff and people put him in danger and then see him overcome it or uh, vice versa. Right, Izzy to put pressure on Whitaker. Whitaker storm back. and That'd be crazy too, right? Yeah. So that'll be interesting. All right, man, let's, let's then, keep going. What do we got next? Then uh, we had Volkov, Harris. I didn't see that one because I couldn't watch any more of the awful stream I was on. Can you, uh, so while we're chatting real quick, maybe you can pull up the finish to this because I love this technique. I love this technique. Did you, did you see the finish? No. Okay, so uh, pretty good fight. You got to feel bad for Walt Harris, you know. Uh, for the listeners that don't know, Walt Harris is the guy. You probably saw um, the uh, articles and stuff about it, but he was the guy whose stepdaughter was uh, abducted and murdered, and they couldn't find her. They were looking all over, like the UFC and Dana White. Everybody was making these uh, videos online trying to track down Walt Harris's daughter, and they ended up finding her body and, and finding that she had been murdered. She was just a teenager or something like that. And... Uh, you know, the guy was a top 10 heavyweight. He came back after that, after only a few months of finding out that his daughter had been murdered, he came back to fight Alistair Overeem. And Jesus Christ, the UFC did not give this dude any breaks at all, right? I mean, he's top 10 in the UFC, so at that point, you're kind of stuck, right? You're getting what you're getting. There's really no easy fights at that point. But Alistair Overeem and your comeback fight after taking a lot of time off because he found out your young teenage daughter was murdered brutally as a... Everybody was cheering for him. Everybody wanted Walt Harris to win that fight. Even Overeem wanted Walt Harris to win that fight <laughs> to a certain extent. If, Walt, if Alistair Overeem had lost that fight, part of him would have been like, thank God. <laughs> like, part of him would have been like, if I don't lose to anybody, it's this guy, right? Uh, Overeem ended up winning, of course, and it was, uh, you know, everybody was supportive of him because they know how difficult it had been. But then his comeback fight is Alexander Volkov, 265 pounds, six foot eight, six foot nine. He was, former, he was Bellator champ as well. Former Bellator yeah. champion, easily the uh, the dark horse of the heavyweight division, and uh, they had a pretty good fight. Walt Harris was looking good. He lost a bunch of weight compared to the Overeem fight, but he has that wide boxer guard like that. And then uh, Volkov put a front kick right to the solar plexus and just caved him in. Boom! Stuck him right there with the front kick, not the push kick, ladies and gentlemen listening. Not the push kick. Different. Okay, the push kick, you extend your leg outward. This is a front kick. It just, boom, snapped right up, right into the solar plexus. And uh, that shot is brutal. The front kick, Conor McGregor does it a lot, that snap kick to the body. Um, some guys have a lot of success with it. Uh, and, and I tell this to my students all the time, for you strikers out there, you all know, punching the liver and punching or kicking the solar plexus, those are always the spots to aim for when you're hitting the body is the solar plexus in the liver. You get hit there, your body just says, nope, and you, and you shut uh, down. Good night. Did you manage to find it? You no, found- so I can't find it on anything. I think uh, anything I've found it on, I think might get us pulled, so uh, I don't want to okay. risk it. I can't okay. find it on the ground. Okay, no problem. I'm sure a lot of people saw it, uh, but I mean, it's, it's not difficult to describe. It's exactly what it was. It was a front kick right to the solar plexus. He just go down instantly. A few follow-up shots. Uh, Alexander Volkov is due for a big, big name in his next fight. Uh, he's had some good wins. He's had some good losses. He lost to Derek Lewis in that crazy knockout when Conor McGregor fought Khabib. But he was he was winning that fight. Yeah, oh, he was like absolutely going to win on points, mm-hmm. and then just the last decided to throw easy, lazy inside low kick, got overhand right countered by Black Beast, and that was it. <laughs> that was it. Yeah. And he, then, uh, after that, he also lost to Curtis Blades Volkov. So uh, he's having a tough time getting through that top the S tier. Right, the S tier of the heavyweight division. He's an A tier character right now, right? For for the video game peeps out there. <laughs> no and, uh, no one's going on no one in the heavyweight division's going on a run to challenge. At the top, like they all seem to win a couple and then 
lose it, lose one, get a couple in. Ngannou's on the best run right now in heavyweight, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. He. Um, I mean, Stipe. Stipe, of course. He lost, He had the one Cormier loss in between. But uh, Ngannou's won four in a row, first round knockout, five in a row, something like that. Yeah. I mean, who the fuck wants to fight that guy? <laughs> that butt, him and Volkov. You yeah. can make that fight. Vol- Listen, Volkov could win that fight. If he can keep those gorilla hands away from him, he could win that fight. He's way bigger, uses his length way better. You just got to avoid the blitzkrieg. Right? Yeah, the absolute storming. But um, the John Jones as well, he's going up there. Yeah. So you got to throw him into the equation and it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Because is Stipe currently injured again? He, he got no, a... I think he's just taking some time off. Um, but I mean, John Jones, 100% sorry, Francis Ngannou, but John Jones gets seniority here. He's yeah. been the champion bef- uh, the entire time you've been training, <laughs> let alone in the UFC. Uh, your four wins at heavyweight don't mean shit against John Jones's 20-whatever undefeated. He's fucking undefeated, right? Yeah. He's undefeated 100%. So uh, he, he deserves to bump the line to go straight to Stipe. And then either way, right? If Jones wins, you could have Stipe Jones too. You could have Ngannou, and then Stipe could have another fight, and they could do that rematch. You've got so- Volkov. You've got good fights for John Jones at heavyweight. Um, but, yeah. People in heavyweight start struggling to put streaks together outside of the top two or three. Yeah, even um, Lewis was Lewis went on a bit of a tear, and I I absolutely love him. He's hilarious, mm. and he's on a I think he's on a couple of fight undefeated streak as well. But he just can't quite get that third one. And yeah, yeah. I mean, he lost his title fight to DC. Yeah, right. So yeah. All right, what's next, dude? Uh, so I didn't see any of these. Sorry, uh, I caught most of them. So how? How do we say that? <laughs> I can't read it. Can you zoom? In? Is this Ion Kutilaba? And uh, uh, nice. No, so we've got Jacob Malakun. I'm going to say uh, Phil Hawes. I think that was a quick knockout. I don't know if I saw that one. No. I, can't, I can't even read the TV. It's a little too far away. Uh, then you had Lauren Murphy, uh, Lilia Shakirova. What was the result there? I didn't uh, see submission that. round two. Murphy won. Yeah, okay, Lauren cool. Murphy won, and then. Uh, these names so yeah the uh this is kutilaba and ion kutilaba and what's the the magomed go for it try and it Kalev. racist <laughs> so i apologize yeah so, that, so I, that was the rematch remember that old fight that was the rematch of the guy ion kutilaba got hit by him and then he he kind of played possum or whatever and mm. then dropped his hands down and then the referee just stumped in and stopped the fight he's like no dude I was good yeah, I'm, I'm fine so this was the rematch of that uh, the fight was really good man they're both top prospects in that division and uh, Magomed that's his first name right ended up getting the win there no no, uh, no drama there it was a solid finish uh, the whole main card was full of finishes what, what's next there's a couple more in there that I want to talk about so I did see on the prelims you had um, what was the Casey Kenny that was a fight of the night Casey Kenny versus um British guy. Oh, uh, Nathaniel Wood? Yeah, Nathaniel Wood. Great fight. That was a really good fight. I think that one fight of the night, uh, that was one of the performances of the night. Both of them won. Khabib won. And uh, I think the guy that beat Kutilaba, he also won one of them. But that fight was really good. That was fight of the night. Go watch that. That first round was fire, dude. Those bantamweights. I think in the first round, they combined for 150 strikes. Jeez. I mean, they were pushing it, dude. Like 50, yeah. 60 strikes each easily. I mean, like four or five strikes per minute differential, something crazy like that. Really so, competitive, really good fight. <clears throat> and then I, I did actually watch the uh, Struve tie to Vasa fight because I just wanted to see if um, Struve had like post-traumatic stress disorder from the time Mark Hunt absolutely cracked him because him and Tuivasa are quite similar and similar finish. Stefan Struve is one of those guys that, to me, is uh, one of the biggest. Just, I don't want to say letdowns but potential that didn't reach its didn't grow as it should have mm. right he's got a huge frame he's clearly athletic his jujitsu is really good he never uses it ever yeah he probably could have pulled guard and tapped out Taito Ivasa I really think that Taito Ivasa is like a blue belt on the ground right he could have just pulled guard wrapped him up triangled him tied up his wrist tried to get to the back he, he could have given him a lot of problems from there and uh, Stefan Struve always gets hit with the overhand right from these little nugget heavyweights, 
right? These like 5'10", 6'1", 6'2", wide as they are, tall, heavyweights. That overhand right comes, and he just cannot keep discipline with that left hand. Everybody that he fights catches him with it. Yeah. He's so tall. He's got so much range. I just can't figure out why, A, he's not circling away from the power when his back is against the fence, or B, why he doesn't keep that left hand high. Because once they get into that range, that's all he's got to do, right? I mean, just get them up, because the only way they can reach you is if they're really close. And once they get into that range, he needs to have discipline with his hands or step inside or something. But he's uh, it's one of those guys you wish could do well. He just can't seem to put no. the streak together anymore. Two hundred sixty-five pounds, six foot ten, eighty-five inch reach. He, he was a foot taller than Tuivasa. Like Tuivasa was sort of having to jump. And to he's him. getting hit with punches. Yeah. Where's his kicks? Where's it? Why every time Tuivasa stepping in, why isn't he teeping him, low kicking him, round kicking him, jabbing him, circling? If he gets put on the fence, right? He gets put on the fence. All of that length is gone. All of that is taken away from you. You should be building an entire game around no. avoiding these situations, right? I mean, that's the thing with John Jones. John Jones is big. He has that frame, but he knows how to use every inch of it. His whole uh, system of martial arts is built around maximizing his range because he's good from the kicking range. He knows how to stay long. He's good from the boxing range, and he's good from the clinching range. He knows he has techniques from all three of the ranges on the feet. And, uh, I mean, I just don't understand how he keeps getting tied up like that against the fence, but I, I, I would say that he's probably but, fought his last fight. Yeah. Uh, did, did you see that one? At that fight? End? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I at, saw at the end when he two... tried to do a, a, head to a hip toss or something, a headlock takedown, Missed. fell on his face, <laughs> and then got countered. It's like... But two of us, did you see him trying to do the shoey at the end? Yeah, they wouldn't let him. <laughs> so... Just what you want in the days of COVID, that they're literally trying to all spit in a shoe and then drink beer from it. It's so disgusting, man. It's so disgusting. <laughs> but at the best of times, but not in the middle of a global pandemic. Yeah, so they're all flying to Fight Island in the middle of Abu Dhabi where they're getting COVID tests done and nobody's allowed to be there. So they're like, hold, hold on, cool. Let me take my mask off, hawk a fucking loogie into my shoe, pour beer in there, give it to you to drink. <laughs> It's like, we'll I don't see any problem around. with this. I don't see any problem with this right now. I mean, <laughs> he, he was the most freaked out the officials got all night. The officials were like, no, you can't possibly do oh, this. Oh, yeah, they were ready to fight him there. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. No, okay, we'll do this right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no breaking these COVID rules, dude. We're all in Yaz Island in the middle of nowhere. You can't spit in a shoe and feed it to him. <laughs> so disgusting. Oh, he's, uh, yeah, they absolutely freaked out when he was trying to do it. It was hilarious. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's that one. And then... Um, so next, I think that's pretty much it, right? Yeah, next up on Fight Island, we've got uh, Uriah Silva Hall. Silva and Uriah Hall's next Anderson week. Anderson Silva. Right? That should be a good fight. I think it's an interesting one. It's a good fight for Anderson Silva to finish on, out on. Um, it's, it's tough to predict that fight. I think the good money is going to go with Uriah Hall. Um, of course, Anderson Silva's the in his prime would, would finish this pretty easily, I think. But I hate having to ask, right? I hate having to wonder. I, I don't like great champions fighting on well into their prime. Part of me respects it, because part of me is like, you earn the right to do, you're a fucking legend. You earn the right to fight as much as you want. And I like fighters who fight. Mm. But there's something about <clears throat> but I, the legacy guys who go out on or near top. That, see, even Anderson, right? A lot of people put him in the GOAT conversation. For me, I can't knowing his end of career slide yeah from the leg break to the knockdown while you're clowning around to like the losses afterward the cannoneer loss the i mean he's lost so many fights recently and uh he hasn't looked good in a long time the, the thing that gets me about it is that usc have got these legends like these older fighters like silver i suppose you can put B bj penn in there and stuff like that and i do if they still want to fight i still want to see them fight but don't put them in against like up and coming 25 year olds or absolutely absolute murderers like let them fight the older guys and i'd watch it i'd pay to watch it like who else is at silver's age in that yeah i mean he's what 44 <laughs> No, maybe not Silver's age. 43. I, I don't know. Yeah. Can, you, can you do me a favor and look up how old he is? Let, let's see. And let's look up how old Uriah Hall is as well. Oh, so you got a a 36-year-old. 
versus a 45 year old. Anderson's 45. Yep. You know what, man? Fucking respect. I'm changing everything I said. I'm going back on everything I just said. This fucking grandpa is still getting in there and throwing down. I mean, Jesus, Anderson is amazingly fast twitch still for 45 years old. I mean, did you see that fight with Chuck Liddell? How old was Chuck when he fought Tito the, second, the third time? That shitty uh, fight in Bellator. Was he in his 50s, maybe? I don't know, but you, you, could, see shaved, Chuck, you could see Chuck had no fast twitch. It yeah. was gone. Anderson still got some fast. I can't believe he's 45 years old and fighting. Part of me, I'm part of me is impressed. I'm seriously like reconsidering what I said just now, because I was like, you know, 45. Th- th- you're right. They should totally create a Masters League, a Legends League, uh, and just make fun fights. Yeah. We don't need. I don't need to see Anderson fight contenders anymore. Right. I don't need to see. But he's not gonna go. He's 45. He's not gonna go on a five-fight win streak and fight for the title. Yeah. Let's see him fight against other 40-year-olds. Yeah. Right. That are around the same time. Give him a good salary. Just put him as co-mains. Put him as third fights on the main card. Just fun fights. Right. Just give us yeah. fun fights. Um, but I gotta go with Uriah Hall in this fight. Stylistically, it's interesting. They're both strikers, but I, I think the difference is 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 gonna be the fast twitch. Right. Uriah Hall's 36. He's not a young chicken either. He's not a spring chicken. But when he moves in his body, you can just see that that shit is still fucking snappy, right? He still can explode in, explode out, be quick. Anderson's been knocked out, his legs broken, a long career, tons of damage, and he's 45. So, uh, but I would not be mad if the spider went out on a big high note. Yeah. If he went in there, they had a great fight, even if it was like, Izzy, I mean, that's the crazy thing. When Anderson fought Izzy, he was 43. He looked good. He had a good showing. He had a showing that you could imagine if this had been five years ago. All those, that fast twitch, all of that quick movement, he'd be able to match Izzy there and it would be a better fight. Um, But I suspect, I think it will be competitive. I think both guys will have it. I don't think Anderson will be a walkover. I think it will probably be a decision. Um, But that's going to be Maine as well, so it's like... Five rounds. Is it five rounds? Yeah, well, if it's the main event, it's normally five rounds. Can you, can you see if it's five rounds or not? That's a good question. I'd never consider... Oh, my God. I hope it's not five rounds. Don't do that to the spider. No, he doesn't say, but I assume if it's the top of the card, it's a five-round it fight. Yeah. It should be. Come on. Let's get some shady shit going on here. See, see what Make I mean? it three rounds. Put him in with another 45-year-old for two rounds. That would be a lot better. Let him roid up, dude. Put him in there. Let him and Vitor go at it again. Both of them on steroids. Let's just see what happens. Although, to be fair, Vitor was on steroids when Anderson fought him. Yeah. So, although, to be fair, Anderson popped for steroids a couple fights later. So, they were all... It's like the Tour de France back in the day. They were all on steroids. Don't worry about it. They were all doing it. So, who's the... Who's the, the dirty goat? Is it Anderson or John? John. Still go John. John. Still John. Yeah. Definitely still John. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, so that fight will be good. That fight's next weekend. Uh, any other worthwhile farts? Farts? Any other farts, farts on that card? Uh, you got Feely just below against uh, Bryce Mitchell. Feely is always fun to watch. Andre Feely and Bryce Mitchell? Yep. Yeah, Thug Nasty. He's good. He trains... Uh, he trains a GF team in Arkansas. Uh, my old coach, it's Low Lins. He goes down there and trains with uh, Roly Delgado. I don't know if you remember him. He was an old, tough, old Ultimate Fighter guy. Fought in the UFC a couple times. Really good guy. Uh, he's GF team. Uh, all those my old coaches go down there and do some training camps yeah. there. And that's where Bryce Mitchell trains. And that guy has got some slick jujitsu. He has got some <clears throat> slick jujitsu. I can't remember the guy he fought in that last fight, but I remember he wrecked him. He's a black belt, and Bryce Mitchell just ran through him he's nasty he's got some really good wrestling takedowns but Andre Feely that's a good fight man that's a sleeper fight yeah. right there that fight might be baller that might be a good one it'd be a fun a fun one I'll definitely say that Feely's always good to watch as well he's like movements you know his fighting style is very nice he's definitely the better striker and I would say Bryce Mitchell's definitely the better grappler uh, Andre Feely trains at CSA gym with uh, with uh, Fitzgibbons Kieran Fitzgibbons yeah. who's one of the best Muay Thai coaches in the world um, he trains uh, uh, all kinds of really great fighters. They have a great Instagram. So for all you striking listeners, if you're not following CSA Gym on Instagram, Kieran Fitzgibbons, you should definitely definitely follow him. They have some amazing striking tutorials. And um, so that's the co-main. Uh, yeah, any other thing there on the main card worth shouting out? They've uh, only announced three fights for it so far. Okay. So the final ones, uh, Kevin Holland, Mahmoud Muradov. Racist. <laughs> All right, cool. Kevin Holland, he's fighting again. I don't know the other guy, but uh, 
you know, we'll break them down and we'll talk about them on the next, the next podcast. So the next podcast we do next Sunday. So major, major overall was supposed to be the guest on today's podcast, but uh, his wife's about to pop. He's there. His baby's literally due like now, <laughs> like today. I sent him a message on Wednesday or Thursday. I was like, "Bro, come on, let's do the podcast on the weekend." He's like, um, uh, "I'll try, but my baby's due like that same day, so I know that his baby's due like immediately." So uh, we're gonna get Major on the podcast soon to talk about No Chill Tiffany To fighting Zhang uh, uh, Xingnan for the the title here in Singapore in one championship. So I'll bring him on to talk about her, and I also know that Major is opening up a new gym. So. Uh, We'll chat, shoot the shit with him about that. So next week, we'll break down the fights. Hopefully, Major comes on. I don't know when his baby's going to pop out, but uh, we'll, we'll see. If I don't get him on, I got some other cool people coming on soon. But uh, that's, the, that's the other news now. The, the, we broke it down last week if people want to go back and listen to it. But uh, the one, they're letting 250 fans in. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. 200, that's a good sign. That's a positive sign. 250 people. I wanted to go to the fights, but none of my friends want to go. All my jerk friends. So anybody listening can, to can this. Can we get press passes? Come any, on, we're, we're press. Anybody listening to this, it's got a connection with Chachi. You let, you let, let a brother, no, hook a brother up. Because uh, my friends are all dick bags. I tried to get Ron and Steven to both go. They were like, no, I don't want to go. I'm like, well, come, come. we've been locked in Singapore for eight months let's go do something man it's but, an uh, absolutely stacked car as I well. know who wouldn't want to go to that <laughs> it's the best one car of all time honestly I straight up think it's the most stacked one car of all time I'm totally down to go so someone someone hit me up in the DMs I'm, I'm just Let saying know. you know we're, we're a MMA podcast surely surely we count as press yeah. surely some someone can give us a press pass I will go and I will not even get belligerently drunk I will get, stay mostly sober as we do. No, I won't. I won't. You get drunk, Luke, if we go to the fights. That's no, how you can't, though, because you're on runs. But then, when did I start the... So, for the listeners, uh, I'm doing a month sober in honor of Uncle Ron being sober. Uh, he, he conned me into it last week on the podcast. He showed up out of the middle of nowhere, uninvited, like a fucking hooligan. He crashed my podcast, came in my door, started screaming, Skeet, skeet, motherfuckers, from the entrance. And then... St- somehow sweet talked me into being sober for a month i don't know how he gets i don't know how he does this to me i don't know why he has why i value his opinion so highly but somehow he comes in here he insults me to my face on my podcast and i end up sober for a month i have no idea how it happened but uh, so I'm, I'm sober for a month it's been a week now i guess a week yeah you know it's a weird thing we were talking about this earlier sobriety is one of those things that's only hard for like the first it's like everybody has their routine when they drink and those routines start to become part of your day-to-day thing or your week-to-week thing or your month-to-month thing. So for me, I'm a weekend drinker, right? I drink pretty much every weekend. A few beers, I never get wasted, but I do it every weekend. That's how I unwind and, and all that kind of thing, right? Especially on the podcast. Typically, we have a couple yep. beers on the podcast, right? It's fun. Uh, but I noticed last weekend on my off day, then the first time that I was like, oh, I'm just going to sit around here all day and not have a beer. So then I was like, okay, it was a little annoying. And then I felt it a little bit yesterday too. Saturday, finish off work. Don't even, during the week, I don't even notice because I don't drink during the week anyway. Yeah. But, uh, so, but I'm starting to feel like I'm not even aware of it anymore. The first two weekends are pretty much done. Yeah. Not worried about it too much. Come the third mm-hmm. week, the new routine gets established about a month in and then it's not even a big deal. I think it's a few weeks in, you start to feel the benefit of the like, uninterrupted sleep as well, particularly. And then you get this massive wave of energy that you can't burn off it's brilliant i don't know why i'm <laughs> not doing it again yeah who'd have thunk you'd be way more efficient and practical if you're not That's, drunk yeah i mean it's <laughs> science right <laughs> science uh so anyway did that with uncle ron yeah uh where, where are we at before this if we totally for lost our train of thought we're talking uh, about trying, to, trying to black press passes <laughs> for right the one. right we're trying to we're trying to beg for things that's what we're trying to do on the podcast we're, we're begging that's what we are um so uh yeah the one card is stacked is that next weekend this weekend uh friday Ooh, maybe we should do something for that should we should we do a reaction video or something during the fu- yeah should we, do, we can watch them live we could watch them live and then we could do a fight companion but call it something less <laughs> less less, less copyrighted, copyrighted. <laughs> <laughs> call it something fight a friend do it exactly the same thing rip off lie cheat and steal change the name slightly <clears throat> Yeah, the fight friend. Fight fight friend. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe we'll do something about that. Maybe we'll do the podcast. Either way, we'll definitely cover those fights. 
So, um, uh, anything else, dude? You got any other news, or is there any other events that we talked about that we want to break down? Anything we forgot? Uh, no, I think we've got everything. We've got the upcoming fights, this week's fights. Uh, dirty Goat has been elected as well as our we've actual got goat. Di- we got official Dirty Goat, and we got a clean goat. And uh, Dirty Goat is not racist, by the way. It's not racist. <laughs> It describes the personality, not the color of the skin. <laughs> like, just to make sure it's not racist, people say Fedor was on the older special source a lot as well, just to throw a white person in there. Oh yeah, I mean, Russians, historically, they're well, well known for not taking steroids or oh, using steroids. There's definitely not a documentary about how their entire Olympic team took it once. I mean, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it's good, right? Khabib is like, he's the clean goat Yep. and never took steroids. Russian throws a, you know? Yeah. When, nine, when 90% of your Olympic team tests positive for steroids, then you got a clean UFC fight. Excellent. Khabib, that's what I love about Khabib, man. This is why it's so hard to pick against him for anything. He just seems like a solid guy who takes his life with – but he's fun. You see him when he's, like, joking around. You can tell he's fun. He doesn't take himself too seriously but also has a strong moral compass. Yeah. And he does what he says he's going to do. And he's clean and he's fun when you watch him mess around. But he's also fucking terrifying, but also humble and respectful. Like, Khabib is just a full package, man. That's why he's so fun to watch. There was an amazing video of him once, like, um, AKA. Is it AKA? Yeah. Yeah. Brought brought in, um, like, an American high school wrestling star sort of thing. And he was rolling around with Khabib and stuff like that. And you could just see that Khabib was absolutely passionate about teaching this kid, helping this he out. He makes jokes. He talks shit. Like, he's playful. Yeah. But he's also not play. When you see him smashing people. Now, if your name's Conor McGregor, Yeah, possibly. if your name's Conor McGregor or if you're uh, uh, any of the people that he talks shit to in the fights, Edson Barbosa, when, uh, when Michael, Michael Johnson, Johnson against the cage, just <laughs> smashing him. Talking you must retire. Shit, smashing him. <laughs> I mean, what a fascinating, interesting human being. Uh, him and Connor are like Batman and the Joker, right? I mean, they're just total foibles. Yep. So watching, that's why I want to see them fight one more time. Just because their personality, their complete foibles, they bring out all the other characteristics, faults, and positive qualities in each other, right? Yeah. That's really, really interesting. Uh, I think, and it, if it was anyone else but Khabib, you'd say that was going to happen because it's so much money on the table. Like, but Khabib just doesn't no. he's unbreakable right he just doesn't yeah. care like he's just one of those guys that you really believe him when he says something so uh, I, either way what a ride uh, what a great champion what a great fighter Khabib is the star of the podcast today what a fucking legend as a, as a person whose re- wrestling was my first ever <coughs> discipline you know the UFC went through those phases where in the beginning it was jujitsu, yeah. and then the wrestlers came in, right? The Mark Coleman's, the Matt Hughes, the Evan Tanner's. You get all of these champions come through. The Matt Lindlands, Mark Schultz, the excellent wrestlers coming in, and then they started dominating the sport for a while. Kevin Randleman, right? Yeah. And then uh, after that, you started to see a shift, and it started to become the strikers, right? The strikers or the the hyper specialist grapplers, right? Um, and then it pretty much is all. Uh, strikers now, with the exception of Khabib, who's the last great one-dimensional champion. And I don't mean one-dimensional in the sense that he doesn't have the other skills, because he does. I mean, he's got one game plan. Everyone knows it, and nobody stops it. Yeah. But it's like we said right at the start of the show, like, you're a coach, your fighter's fighting Khabib. Okay, you've got to stop him from wrestling you and keep it You have one job. <laughs> you have one job if you're fighting Khabib. Everyone knows it. No one can stop it. No. He's never had to d- rely on his striking. A little bit, I guess, and I quint to fight. But he just did that because he knew he could. Yeah. I think in the last couple rounds with I Quinta, he didn't feel threatened on the feet. And he was just like, okay, I'll just I'll, I'll jab his fucking head off, right? And that's what he did. He took him down, established his dominance early, didn't feel threatened on the feet, basically struck with him, wrestled a little bit. But then after that fight, he's just it- like, I'm going to take you down and crush you. He did it to everybody. Nobody can stop it. There's a brilliant bit in the Aya Quinta fight where uh, Matt Sarah is obviously in Aya Quinta's corner and he's shouting instructions to um, Aya Quinta in the ring and Khabib turns to him and I think he's telling him don't close his hands, don't close his hands and Khabib's like, I'm going to close my hands and um, there's just this little back and forth between the coach and the fighter. Oh, I love it, man. It's so... Ep- when Khabib talks to Dana White during the fight yeah, and then he's like, 
uh, I must have title shot. You know I deserve this. You know I deserve this. And then Dana White's just like, yeah, okay, after after what you're doing right now. Like, stop. Focus on the fight. And, and Khabib goes, yes, of course. And then just continues to smash him. It's like, oh, dude, like he's so detached from what's happening. Yeah. Right? That he's able to just talk to you, talk to you, fuck you up, like keep his mind, listen to the crap, like listen to his corner. He's just so cold and calculated that he's able to compartmentalize everything and talk shit while he wrecks people. <laughs> it's so entertaining. It's so fascinating. I, I don't know if there will ever be another Khabib, man. If he does retire, he's definitely one of the greats and one of the most interesting characters to ever come up in MMA and began the wave of Muslims, of uh, fighters from the Middle East, of Russians, of but particularly that that Dagestan region of the um, Muslim Russians, right? That whole region has just, ever since, Khabib's such a rock star that you know how many young kids there are in Dagestan going in to train? It's Khabib Day. Yesterday was Khabib Day. It was a national fucking holiday. They closed down the malls. I'm not even kidding. That was real. Did you see that? No, no. That's a real thing. Khabib Day. That's yeah. In, in the UAE and in the, I think in... In Dagestan, they, it's like a national public holiday. They close down the mall so everybody can watch them fight. That's how crazy they are for Khabib there. Well, yeah, I, and I definitely can't name another famous Dagestani. Yeah, yeah, me neither. I mean, there, there are tons of other like, wrestlers, right? But in terms of people that are in the global zeitgeist, right? Like Manny Pacquiao's Filipino. He's in the global. Everyone in the world knows, yeah. right? You get the Americans, the Muhammad Ali, everybody knows. You get the Klitschko's, everybody knows. People emerge from their uh, local country. They get to be on the global stage of sport. It's a rare few people, none from Dagestan, but Khabib. Yep. Khabib is in the global zeitgeist. Everyone from every country knows him, right? That's crazy level of fame. And he kept his head on his shoulder. He kept the ethics and the, the culture of his religion in high esteem and the forefront. He doesn't have scandals. He doesn't have, you can tell how much he cares about his family, his mom, his dad, his brothers, his cousins, uh, but also a savage. What a character. <laughs> yep. What a character, right? Um, all right, man. Uh, is there, there any news or anything? We, we pretty much it. Guys, watch the breakdown. I'm going to release it. Uh, the, the breakdown of the Khabib Gaethje finish. Let me know if you like that kind of content, if you like more content, if you want more technique videos, more fight finishes. Um, other than that, man, I'm pretty good. All right, everybody. This is the Stronghold Podcast. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.